Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 241. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. And with this episode, um, I speak with Gabby Rusu, um, who is our superannuation and SMSF expert here at Tax and Super Australia. Now, um, Gabby and I have had a chat about three new pieces of super, uh, superannuation legislation that have just passed both houses and have become law. Uh, one has to do with the six-member SMSF possibility now, which is now a reality, uh, non-concessional contributions, and the big one, uh, your future, your super legislation. Let's see what Gabby has to say. Okay. Gabby, thanks very much for being with the Tax Wrap podcast once again. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and also, it's opportune time because just uh, very recently, as in yesterday, I think, three important bills uh, about superannuation achieved royal assent, um, one of them being the the bill which brings in six members for SMSFs, which is intriguing. Can you tell me a bit more about six-member SMSFs and how that will affect people? Yes, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I would like to clarify that this bill containing the measure to increase the maximum number of allowable members yep. also apply to small APRA funds. So. Um, oh, yeah. SMSF plus small APRA funds will be able to have the uh, maximum number of allowable members increase from four to six. Um, This measure is uh, going to apply from 1st of July this year. Right. Okay. So practically what... Yes, it's going to be pretty soon. Um, It is going to obviously allow members of such funds to increase to six. So it would definitely benefit um, uh, people with large families. So they would would be obviously able to add more members to the funds. They can add more children or other members of the family. And um, this has been a bill that has been um, welcomed by the industry. Um, There are obviously a few things that would have to be considered if there is, um, um, if if someone actually decides to increase the number of uh, members in the funds, we are going to cover this later on. Um, In regards to this uh, bill, I would like to also specify that um, the the new legislation is going to amend the definition of an SMSF oh, yeah, and also yeah. a small APRA fund. It's yeah. going to be amended simply, you know, for the reason of uh, the increase uh, in the number of members. Will also be amendments to the signatory requirements for funds annual financial statements, like okay. for example, the the accounts and statements uh, must be signed off by at least half of the directors of a corporate oh, trustee, see. or if applicable, at least half the number of individual trustees. Yes, so, yes. for example, if there were, let's say, six members in an SMSF, the annual financial statement should be signed off by at least three members. So, in yep. their capacity as trustees, yep. individual trustees, or directors of um, the corporate, corporate trustee. trustee. Can, can I ask, Abby, I'll just Correct. have never been yes. across this, but with a six-member fund, does that mean there are six trustees as well? 
Uh, yes, so if you, if you have um, a fund that uh, has a structure that requires individual trustees, then pretty much if you have six members, they will all have to be uh, trustees of that fund. The yep. same would yep. apply for the SMSFs, for instance, with a corporate trustee. Awesome. So if all members would also have to be directors of the corporate trustee. Awesome. Um, now, why it seems pretty straightforward? Um, it's important to remember that um, everything that happens into a small fund would have to be dictated by the trust deed governing oh, yes. the fund. Uh, the trustee, yeah. So exactly. So a fund planning to increase its members to five or six would therefore need to have its trust deed reviewed and amended uh, if deemed necessary yep. to allow for such a change. So yep. it is important to, to note this before uh, making any ch changes to the SMSF trustee structure, for yeah, instance. Yeah, that's important. Um, so we'll have yes. a mass rewriting of trust deeds. I mean, maybe there's going to be a, a big push for that. I don't know. Mm. I mean, it really depends on what the trust did say, but, you know, this, uh, this measure seems like a, um, a measure that uh, would be pretty straightforward to implement, but then at the same time, as you can see, even the, the legislation will also have to amend, go back to amending the definition of such funds to right. actually incorporate the increase in the number of members. Um, what I was going to actually uh, mention here, um, it's interesting to know that uh, in the eight years later statistics, um, we sh uh, it shows that, that only around 7% of the total self-managed super funds. There are currently about 600,000. They have more than two members. Oh, yeah. So that actually, it, 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 it's interesting to see that the ATO statistics show that around 23% of SMSFs only have one member and about 70% have two members. So yep. the majority of funds only have two members. So given those numbers, um, we may not actually see too many small funds increasing their member numbers above the current maximum no, cap no. of four members. So it would be interesting to wait and see how this, um, how many funds would actually take uh, advantage of this uh, increase in the number of uh, members. It would be interesting. So you're saying only, only what was the 6% are more than two? Uh, about... Um, 7% of the total funds have more than two members. It's about, I think it's about 3.4 uh, with three members and uh, another three point something up to a 7% with four members. Right, so okay. there are currently very few, I would say, I mean, a, a reduced number of funds, self-managed funds that have more than two members. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, so yeah. Why, 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 do you, why do you think it's been done? What are the advantages of doing this? Well, the uh, increasing the funds investment, uh, it's actually one of the key benefits of adding additional members to an SMSF is yep. that it will allow greater flexibility in terms of investments for large families and small businesses. So practically increasing the fund's investment pool can enable the fund to build a bigger and a more diversified investment portfolio. Okay. Yep. So that means that, for instance, an SMSF can buy assets of greater value, such as real property, including purchasing a business real property that can okay. be used in the family business. Okay, yep. So 
if you have sufficient super accounts um, that you can combine in a single SMSF, there is not going to be a need for the fund to borrow large amounts of money through a limited recourse borrowing arrangement, for instance, to fund such yes. purchases. Right. So um, also with added members, there is also the potential to accumulate more in superannuation overall as each member oh, also has their own contribution limits. Yes. Right. yes, of course. Exactly. Mm. And also this may be, for instance, an advantage when the parents have attained the, uh, currently it's 1.6 million total superannuation balance that oh, yeah. would preclude them from making further non-concessional contribution into the fund. So as we know, if someone has like for instance, for this current financial year, if someone has a total super balance on 30th of June 2020 that was equal or over the 1.6 threshold, yep. the non-concessional contribution cap for the year is nil. So these funds would definitely benefit from adding more members who are actually able to contribute and they can bring more funds into the into the self-managed fund yes yes so yeah another thing like by creating one fund for up to six family members uh, you could also reduce the costs of superannuation for that family you can imagine so you have all these yeah. member pool in one fund so there is one set of audit fees admin right. fees yep. advisors fees so uh, all these six members would actually share the cost of one fund of running one fund rather That's than true. having multiple fund with multiple multiple accounts with That's with right. multiple funds yep. Yep. Um, Another potential benefit uh, may include uh, estate planning opportunities. When you introduce new accumulation balance balances into a fund, it can help to address the liquidity issues on the death of an older member. Like for instance, if you if you have a fund only with two members and one of them passes away, you might actually need to sell assets to fund the debt benefit payment. Uh, because you don't have enough cash to to make the payment uh, as such yep. in, in cash, so by by having new members, they can continue contributing and uh, funding yeah, those yeah. payments. So That's it, it can obviously create exactly can yeah. create estate planning opportunities. Mm. But what about the other side? No. Are, are there disadvantages? Yeah, there <laughs> very good question. Very good <laughs> question, Steve. Because naturally admitting additional members to an SMSF, for instance, can also give rise to disputes and oh, conflicts yeah. over team time. You can uh, imagine that uh, if you don't have the right documentation in place or an appropriate succession planning, um, you may actually run or risk major problems occurring in the fund, such yeah. as disputes and family law risk in the event of a marriage breakdown. Yes, yes. And perhaps no. if, you have, if you have younger members admitted, they may have a totally different viewpoint on investments. Um, typically, old yes. people have a, a conservative viewpoint on investing, and uh, younger people have more risk uh, taking uh, bent. But yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, that can also be. Uh, be obviously uh, an issue, but at the mm. same time, you know, through the investment strategy of the fund, you can you can actually have different risk profiles for different members inside oh, the yeah. same the same self managed fund. But you're right. I mean, they will all have to uh, take up the responsibilities of running the fund and making mm. sure the investments are done in accordance with the investment strategy. So uh, that can 
deep problems in the, if they don't agree in regards to the investment strategy or in regards to paying the benefits in a certain way. So yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It, it does uh, raise those uh, those issues. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. So it starts from July one this year, so uh, it's very soon. Yeah. Yes, it is very soon, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind that this was a proposal uh, that oh. was actually first. It was first proposed in the 2018 budget, and it was supposed to apply yeah. from 1st of July 2019. Yeah, yeah. So the the same proposal to increase the number of uh, of um, members yep. was actually incorporated into a bill that um, um, was uh, the measure was withdrawn from that initial bill. And then after the federal election was incorporated in the new bill. So it's All been right. quite a bit of a story for this yeah. uh, bill to pass. So I, I think, that. you know, we yeah. are in exactly. So we are now in a position. So it was supposed to apply on first of, from 1st of July 2019. Now, so two years now, later. now we are two years, two years later. Yeah. So <laughs> I would say we should uh, somehow be, um, you know, happy that uh, yeah. it actually happened because I must here. say that. Yes, um, the coalition uh, always uh, said that if they are going to be elected, this uh, this is a measure that's going to be back on the table fo- yep. following the last federal election results. So and, then the, then and the also, so. exactly, the pandemic has also caused a delay in the mm. passing of this legislation. So yeah, we are yeah. now in um, uh, in a position that we can say. Yes, it's, it's going to actually apply soon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Gabby, uh, you mentioned just a little while ago non-concessional contributions. Um, yes. I was, wanted to move on. You were also, um, there were three pieces of legislation. One of them, I think, had to do with non-concessional contributions. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. It was another bill that has received royal assent that proposes to extend the bring forward rules for non-concessional contributions for individuals um, who turn 66 and 67 during the financial year. Uh, It's uh, going to apply to um, non-concessional contributions made on or after 1st of July 2020. So it is okay. going to apply for this financial year. Yep. As you know, prior to this law uh, coming into into effect, um, only people who actually um, were under 65 at the beginning of the year could actually trigger the bring forward provisions. Yep. So now the new legislation will allow those that turn 66 and 67 in this current year to actually use the bring forward provisions okay, so yeah. they can top up the um, contrib- their superannuation with uh, additional contributions. contributions. So, are, uh, they, are they the only people who benefit from this change? The uh, yes, yes, uh, it is. Uh, the, this, this bill would, uh, um, would really affect the people who are the people who uh, turn 66 and 67 during the financial year the most right, so right, they are okay. the ones that would uh, would actually benefit from the from the change and um, these changes uh, will make it obviously easier for them to manage their superannuation and retirement retirement planning it's actually a welcome legislation it was uh, um, 
<clears throat> it was something that uh, people expected to be passed prior to 1st of July this year, and you can appreciate why many people have uh, based their contribution strategies on this legislation passing prior oh, to the end of the year. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we are just at the end of the financial year. Yeah, we're just there. Approaching. So, you can, <laughs> exactly. So, um, it just gives um, confidence to people who have actually implemented this strategy yes, that they yes. could use it in this financial year. Is it, is it um, one that backdated to the July 1, 2020? Yes, that is absolutely correct. So, that okay. is absolutely correct. So, but, it, it is yeah. going to apply to this non-concessional contribution made on or after that day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, given, I'll just sort of, sorry, I was just reading the name of the bill, which ends in 2020, which means it's a year, a year in, you know, introduced last year. Yes. In, in all yeah. that time, have there been any other amendments to the bill since it was introduced? Yeah. What I can tell you is that it was, um, there were a few things that, um, uh, happened. So there were a few amendments to, to the bill. So when the bill was in the Senate, um, the Senate made a number of amendments to the bill. They were put forward by One Nation, which uh, uh, this, these amendments would actually allow the removal of the excess contribution charge in relation to excess concessional contributions. Oh, yes, I see. And also, the and also it was another amendment that would allow the recontribution of COVID-19 early release amounts oh, without see. penalties. So practically yes. what it says, you can contribute these amounts back into superannuation and this is going to be outside of the contribution caps. Yes, I see. So uh, both, yes, so both these uh, amendments are supposed to commence from 1st of July 2021. Mm, yep. And uh, the recontribution of the COVID-19 early release amounts outside the contribution caps will be allowed from 1st of July this year to 30 of June 2030. So it's 2030, Yes, yeah, so it's going to be a period of time when people will be able to recontribute whatever they took out under the early release under the COVID measure. Yeah. Uh, as you may recall, you could take up uh, up to ten thousand dollars for two thousand and twenty financial year and yeah. also for this current financial year. So uh, if you were affected by the um, uh, COVID pandemic. You had to apply to the ATO to see whether you can access your preserve benefits. And uh, some people got authority to take the money out. And now what the government is saying, if you didn't use the money, so practically if your situation has improved and you, you didn't need the $10,000 a year or whatever you, you ended up withdrawing in, a, in, in those two years, you may be actually able to recontribute these amounts back into superannuation and they are not going to count towards your cups. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's good for yes, people who I mean, withdrew 10000 and then they thought, oh, no, I didn't need this after all. I'll put it back in the super. Otherwise, I'd be stuck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the... the problem comes with administering these particular amounts because now you, you really have to to keep track of members who first of all access the benefits under the COVID early release measure yep. Yep. and then uh, when they put the money back in they would also have to notify the fund that this is actually part or is this the, or this is the amount that I took out under these measures so from an admin point of view, it may become quite messy, but then at the same time, you know, we've 
probably going to have to have our systems yeah. um, improve in such a way to allow for this to, to be in, implemented yeah, with I think so. no issues. Yes. Yeah, sure. Now, uh, Speaking of amendments, Steve, um, it was another uh, amendment proposed by One Nation to increase the concessional contribution cap for individuals age 67 and right. over. Mm -hmm. However, that measure, that amendment was not supported by the government. So that amendment was actually dropped. So okay. the only amendments that went through were the ones related to the excess contribution charge and the one yes. to contribute to the COVID-19 early release amount. Right. Okay. So, well, that's, so, yeah. that's a missed opportunity, but still, we can yes. take what yes. we can get. Yes, true. Um, yeah. um, another one, Gabby, now this has been uh, in the news a bit about the Your Future, Your Super reforms. Yes. Um, were you saying that's also achieved royal assent? So, it's, it's law now? Yes, yes, this bill also received royal assent uh, yesterday. Yes, right. if I'm not okay. mistaken, it was on the 22nd of June uh, this year. Um, this is a bill that's been quite controversial. It mm. took a while for the bill to pass. Um, it will definitely benefit people. It, it would... Um, First of all, the, the bill contains measures related to the single default accounts. That's right, yep. This is a measure that would limit the creation of multiple super accounts for new employees right. who change jobs. Uh, so practically, the, the, um, there are not going to be any new super accounts uh, created automatically every time a work changes jobs so practically no. under the new reforms your superannuation fund will follow you really mm. that's in, in a nutshell what's going to happen now this particular measure related to the single default accounts uh, is set to commence from 1st of November 2021 so this was delayed from 1st of July 2021 so it's being delayed to 1st of November 21 what? why was that you know well uh, to be honest, I mean, the, the government uh, has agreed on this uh, change to, to, give, uh, to give time for, for, this, uh, for the superannuation funds to, to actually adapt to a new measure. And okay. um, once, once it really it will kick in, uh, that means that when workers change jobs, they will automatically be kept in their existing superannuation fund. So practically, yeah. practically what it is, if you have someone who is 16 and starts a job with McDonald's, for instance, yep. and then later on they go and get another job, the initial fund would actually be the one receiving contributions yes, for them yeah, going yeah. forward. Um, now, this has been obviously adopted by the government in order to... Um, stop the fee drain that occurs when workers often unknowingly they open accounts with each new employer. Yes, so yes. you'd have all these fees that would have to be paid to those funds. So the main reason why this measure was incorporated in this bill was to stop those fees being uh, paid. Because each fund has a different set of fees. Exactly. Right. It's funny you mentioned exactly. that the kid who starts in McDonald's, he, he would be in the uh, hospitality Based uh, yeah. industry yeah. fund, perhaps. True. Then, if they, he goes True. back and studies and becomes a nurse, then it'll be in the uh, the nurses. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Correct. Yeah. 
Yes, but that being said, this bill also has another measure incorporated that relates to uh, the underperformance in superannuation, That's right. which would actually require APRA to conduct an annual performance test for default super products, also mm. known as my super products. Yep. So that actually says that uh, it would give people the choice to... Um, to actually um, to, to choose between funds to make sure that uh, they are in the best possible fund to meet oh, so, their okay. so needs. They can, they can change funds if they want they to. They can, okay. exactly. So yeah. if at some point, for instance, they find another fund that suits them better, mm. um, they, they would be actually able to change that particular fund that they had when they first started their, their first job. So they yep. would be able to, to do that. So it's not like they are locked into one fund. The problem oh, is no. that they would actually have to get involved in checking their superannuation yes. and making sure that they understand how those funds perform and how they are managed yes, in yeah. order to make a decision on whether to move or not from one fund to, uh, to the other. And this yeah, was yeah. one of those uh, things that the critics um, uh, highlighted in regards to this proposal. We're going oh, really? to talk a bit more about it. Yeah, is, yeah, yes, I'll... because, um, yeah. No, I was, gonna, I was just going to ask, um, uh, does it, does that create any difficulties for establishing SMSF? I mean, if you're with an industry fund and you really want to start your own DIY fund. Uh, no. Yeah. No, no difficulties? That's no, nothing? Not for the time being. It's just that this uh, underperformance in superannuation, it's um, uh, currently only going to be in regards to the APRA regulated okay. funds. So right. APRA will be the one who's going to have to conduct this annual performance test yes. for the default super products. Um, it's uh, apparently those funds who perform 50 basis points or 0.5% below the benchmark will be considered an underperforming fund. Yep. So if you are a persistently underperforming fund, you'll be prevented from accepting new member money okay so practically what it means that under the legislation funds that fail the test will be required to write to members informing them of the underperformance oh. and um, if the like for instance the consequence for consecutive failures is new members are barred from joining yeah, the fund. A, so you that's, are that seems yes. a, a, big, a big step a big a harsh step but, uh, but still. yes yeah. I mean, the, the problem is that, uh, as I said before, the members would actually have to act on these uh, letters. If they don't act on those letters, they can be trapped actually in this inferior product. Yes. And they would continue having their savings drained by a fund which oh. is underperforming. That's right. Exactly. As you can appreciate. Okay. Exactly. So, well, was it, is there any coincidence that this is being enacted now just when the SG rate is going up or am I just, that's just coincidental? It's, uh, I think that it, they are probably somehow related because it's being, um, I mean, in the last financial year, um, if you think about this measure, uh, it was announced in the last year, financial federal budget. Right. And uh, the treasurer at that point was highlighting the fact that too many Australians are paying too much in superannuation mm. fees. Apparently, um, the fees um, 
I think that they, they said about 450 million a year in unnecessary fees as a result of about 6 million multiple accounts. That is a fairly large amount of money. So the yes. government has um, been concerned about this money being paid unnecessary. So I can see why they, um, they were looking uh, to find ways to mitigate this um, spending That's and to make sure yeah, that... Yeah. Uh, Yes, exactly. To put a stop to that, actually, mm. and help the Australians to make an informed choice about who will manage their retirement savings, hence the new law. So that's wow. pretty much the reason why they have chosen to, to do this. To do that and, and do it now. So, so, yeah. so the, the, of course, the government is right behind it because they initiated the, uh, the, the legislation. You mentioned before yes. the critics. Well, what, 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 does, what do the critics say? What, what does the opposition, opposition say about the, uh, your future? Um, yeah. Um, first of all, there are many in the super sector, including the federal opposition, that have criticized the bill over the inconsistencies of the bill, and they are warning that members are actually going to be worse off under the changes, and they also say that the new law could trap Australians into underperforming superannuation products. So, in a nutshell, the Labour Party apparently accused the Liberal Party of meddling with superannuation on ideology instead of putting the interests of ordinary people at heart. So that was pretty much how they referred to, to this new law. And um, it's one thing that the government actually is arguing against that. And they are actually saying that it was important for, for the government to stop the creation of these unintended multiple superannuation accounts for employees and to ensure to make it easier for members to choose a well-performing funds uh, and make the funds more accountable for the underperformance yep. and a greater level of transparency and uh, by, by superannuation fund uh, trustees. So they practically want to help um, uh, without these underperforming funds by making it um, unsustainable for them to survive, really, yes, yeah, if they yeah. do not uh, perform properly. So the government is arguing and saying, look, this is a good law because it is going to, to help Australians going forward, whereas yeah, the, yeah. the critics and the opposition, they are saying, no, it's, uh, it's not really a good law because people have the tendency to, first of all, ignore all those letters. They don't know, to, they don't know enough about superannuation to make an informed decision and they are probably not going to check the performance yeah. of those funds well, actually, when they a, open fair, these yeah, accounts. That's a fair point. Yes. Um, but the other point I was just speaking then, that isn't it, I mean, historically, retail funds have been uh, underperforming. Uh, industry funds have been, yeah. uh, and, and uh, you know, then there's SMSFs. But wouldn't, it, um, wouldn't retail funds bear the brunt of this underperformance <laughs> yardstick? They will, they will. And even if there is, there is obviously, apparently the, the opposition, the critics say that this law creates a risk that uh, millions could be locked into inferior products. You are absolutely right. The problem, this is an issue for those funds. So practically the fact that the new legislation would impose uh, this um, performance test for the funds would actually push them into performing better. If they don't, they won't be able to survive. That's well, pretty that's much true. the bottom line. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. Okay, Gabby, is there anything else about the, your future, your super bill that you wanted to um, talk about? 
Yes, uh, one of the most controversial part of the Your Super Your B legislation, yeah. which sought to give power to the Treasury to prohibit certain payments and investments made That's by right. the fund trustees, yes. has been removed from the oh, law. Okay. It was removed due to wide criticism from both industry experts and members of the parliament. So yes. this practically ultimately would have allowed the government to veto any investments made yes. by a fund. So that was an important uh, um, sort of amendment that was yes. removed from the bill before it passed. And uh, uh, it, uh, it was actually... Um, it was important to be removed for the bill to pass. That's all I wanted to say, because the yes, bill at yeah. the end actually was passed with the help of Crossbench, including Paul, Pauline Hansen. Right, okay. So that was, um, you know, how the bill actually ended up being passed. And this, yes, uh, yeah. this controversial part of the bill was removed beforehand. That's right. That, so I remember that now. That was it what would, all it the would have been a problem. Yeah, yes. it would have been a problem. All well, the news reports were about about the uh, government having a say on where the investments are being made. That's right. Yes. So that, that's not in. That's good to know. No. Yeah. All right. No. <laughs> um, all right, Gabby, look, this has been very educational. Um, thanks very much for talking to our tax rep audience about these three important super bills that have just gone through. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, of course, uh, consult with you again uh, when other developments happen in the super world. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you for having me.